What's up, everybody? Elias here with the first guest podcast of Break Your Bubble. I could not tell you how excited I am to be here and have this podcast with you guys. And yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, before I start, Nick is co-hosting with me. Nick, if you wanted to introduce yourself real quick. Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Nick Wee. I'm a junior at Brown studying computer science and poli-sci. And we're just so excited to get this going, man. This has been months and months behind the scenes of work. And this is the first, this is the first real test for us. We're super excited. Yep. And so before we get into, you know, the podcast and our guests, if you, if you missed our intro podcast, I just wanted to talk about BYB for a little bit. Um, so BYB, basically the whole purpose is to introduce empathy and discourse into American political proceedings. Um, we think that there's a stark lack of it. And we think that we can solve problems together better if, if, if we do come together and just talk about them and understand where the other person is coming from. So with this podcast, the aim is to learn. That's basically all we're trying to do. We're trying to learn. We're trying to learn about people in the Brown community, how they feel about certain topics, how, how it affects them and try and just really get exposed to opinions that we may not have understood or even recognized before. That's, that's really what we're trying to do. Nick, if you want to speak about that just a little bit. Yeah, I know, Elias, you, uh, you hit the nail on the head, man. We're, we're starting this with you guys in mind. We, wanna, we want you guys at Brown to be involved. We want you guys want to hear your stories, and we want you guys to share your stories on different topics. And we're excited to hear just a huge variety, diverse range of opinions and stories and your guys' thoughts. So without further ado, um, let's introduce the guest we have for this first podcast, which is going to be on brands reopening and your guys' thoughts on the handling of the situation and coronavirus in general. Um, so we have James here, Sterling and Alex. James, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a freshman currently living in Switzerland and I hope to concentrate in math and physics. Dope, Sterling, you wanna go next since you're just you're next on my screen? Yeah, um, I'm Sterling. I'm a junior concentrating in international and public affairs as well as BEO organizational studies and I'm here in Providence at Brown. Hi, I'm Alex and I'm a first year. Um, I'm interested in biology and the history of science and I'm right now I'm in Connecticut. Dope, dope, dope. So those are our guests. We're really excited to have you guys. And, you know, let's just get right into it. So before, you know, we start asking sort of questions to guide the conversation, me and Nick sort of just wanted to go through a little, like some facts just to, just to guide us and, and be, the, be the foundation for our discussion. So obviously we all know COVID hit and, you know, no one likes that. And as soon as it hit, how colleges were going to reopen was, was a huge, was a huge, um, was a huge thing. You know, we got sent home last year. Alex and, and James, us, us three, we got sent home last year in the middle of the semester. And, you know, it was kind of crazy. And all through the summer, we thought, so what's going to happen for the fall? Are we going to, are we going to go back? And it was interesting. Christina Paxson actually writ, writ, wrote a op-ed in the New York Times saying that we have to go back. <laughs> and she laid out, and she laid out the reasons why. And so we're going to base sort of this conversation around how well 
you know, we followed, Brown specifically has followed the plans that she laid out, whether or not we met the standards um, that she did lay out, whether or not she accomplished some of the things she said that, that colleges had to do. And so that's kind of gonna guide us in this conversation. In terms of facts, Nick, uh, you, you know more about it than me. In terms of Brown's uh, facts on the ground, since you are there, do you wanna, you wanna speak some more about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, just to add on, just before quickly moving on to that, um, we think it's just really interesting how Paxson basically was the spearhead of moving college. She was almost like a figurehead, in the, uh, especially over the summer. Um, to, of moving, you know, moving colleges back. She basically firmly said in her New York Times op-ed that it should be one of the utmost priorities for America. Um, that's definitely something to keep in mind, definitely something that I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on. So in terms of Brown's handling of COVID, um, for, the, for me and Sterling that's back on campus, we have two tests a week um, and we've actually been doing um, a pretty good job compared to um, the rest of Rhode Island. So since August 24th, the facts are since August 24th, we've had 43 total cases out of 83,135, I'm reading off the website right now, completed tests and 7,500 7, people tested. So that's a less than 0.1% positivity rate in the last seven days, which converts to Rhode Island. Um, I believe their positivity rate in the past week or so is around 3%. So a whole lot less than that, obviously. Um, we've been doing a good job tracing, testing. Um, so with hybrid classes, you know, obviously classes under 20 for those of you for Sterling um, uh, or in person, you know, six feet apart, stuff like that. Uh, pod system mask mandate um, or campus is level two. So that's what's been going on in campus. Um, and those are the, basically the facts. Uh, it's muted. Oh, that's that's kind of embarrassing, but we're just gonna yeah, ignore right. that. Um, <laughs> the last thing we wanted to state is just some of some of you know the major talking points of the reopening, some of the controversy that is you know arisen in families, amongst people, you know, in the news. Um, so the first thing is personal safety. Like, is it Brown's responsibility to how much of the responsibility to ensuring public health falls on Brown? How much? Um, of it falls on the individual people. That's always a huge, a huge uh, talking point. Secondly, how much can Brown sort of regulate personal freedom in the name of safety? That's, you know, obviously, obviously a huge, a huge one. Um, and then the next, the last two are, are unfulfilling education, just, just in the sense that, you know, with hybrid classes and only small classes being allowed, how much of that classroom experience and how much of that of that learning is inhibited. And then finally, just the money aspect, not only in terms of Brown losing money to COVID, not being able to charge room and board as they, as they want, but also financial impact on, on the students. Like why are, why do students have to pay, you know, all this money for what many people think is a diluted educational experience. So, that's those are the talking points that we're going to talk about i'm sorry for me and nick talking a lot we really want it to be about you guys so the first question that we have without further ado to sort of guide the question is we really want to just know how has remote learning impacted you um specifically in this time um i know i know for sterling sterling's obviously a junior 
Um, and so she, she definitely has a difference between now and, you know, the previous two years where she was, where she, you know, where obviously everything was normal. And then for James and Alex, you guys are both freshmen and, you know, your, your first semester at Brown, I don't even know if you could call it a real semester with one class and having to make friends virtually, having to join clubs virtually. Just, just speak about that and how, how it's been different for you guys. So I think, Sterling, if you want to go first as the junior, you know, senior priority, um, you can go ahead. Yeah, so I can definitely speak on that. Um, the transition to virtual learning was, as plainly as I could put it, chaotic. To me, it really just felt like everything that we had ever known, at least like, you know, from the two years that I had been there, like it was just completely um, changing. And personally, transitioning to remote learning in the middle of the semester was very difficult, um, particularly because I don't really like studying at home. I mean, like I went to boarding school um, like Nick and I hadn't been at home and like, I hadn't studied at home in maybe six years. And so that was definitely a huge transition. Um, but now, you know, being here, I think starting the semester off with a collective understanding that, you know, we are going through things, we have to, you know, adjust to life differently. I think that collective understanding among professors and students has definitely helped with that. Um, I really like how the structure of classes are different. So I definitely feel like Brown did a good job of starting the semester off right. Um, but of course, you know, back in the spring, it was chaotic. Like what could we have done about that? What could Brown have done about that? You know, no, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, that boarding school thing, that boarding school point you made, I haven't done any of that in so long. And that's such a good point. I don't think anybody really enjoys remote learning, but you know, you're dealt the cards that you have and we're, I think we're making the best of the situation. This is what I'm trying to say. Um, I'd love to hear from the freshman, just in terms of like it impacting your decision to come back and how it sort of impacted your college experience. Obviously, it's crazy for you guys not coming back in the fall. Um, how's that impacted you guys? Yeah, either of you can go. <laughs> it's all good. I, I can go now, yes. Um, so I'm, I think, fortunate enough that I'm uh, taking a technical class this, this semester. I'm taking a CS class. Uh, which means that I don't think I, I, I don't lose as much as some people do uh, in terms of the in-person aspect of the class. I think if I was doing a, um, a class that was much more discussion focused, uh, it would be more difficult for the, for the faculty to recreate the atmosphere. Um, but at least I can, I can only speak for, for, for CS anyways, but they've done a, a really great job. Um, basically, we're watching video lectures from past years, and then we have live lectures to kind of dive deeper into topics and ask questions with TAs and, and with the prof uh, twice or three times a week. Um, the TA hours are really well set up. Um, it's super simple. You just jump online, uh, put your name in a queue, and then you join on Zoom, ask your question. That's that. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, pair assignments as well, um, which is mildly compl complicated because I get, I, I, I've been placed with, with US partners who obviously don't have exactly the same like work, work uh, schedule as I do. Um, so we have to kind of work around that, but it's, it's really not the end of the world. Um, and I, I, I think it's been good so far, yeah. Yeah, I mean, James, I'm actually really curious because you bring a perspective that 
the rest of us don't have in that you live in a you know completely different time zone five hours ahead if i'm if i'm correct do you think do you think your teachers um brown in general do you think they've done a good job sort of accommodating you there because you know it's not your fault you have to be there right so yeah for the, for the most part they've they've done a good job because they do the, the live lectures um uh, are, are held at two separate hours uh there's the one at uh 10 a.m eastern and one at uh 4 p.m. Eastern, um, which means that you can pretty much, uh, you, you can join no matter what time zone you are in, in the world, you can, you can usually join one of them. Um, and and I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I'm the worst affected in terms of time zones. I mean, there are kids in China or in Australia, you know, who, who are worse off than I am. Um, and to be, to be honest, when, when you don't have in-person classes, um, your, your, your sleep schedule can kind of accommodate whatever, uh, Whatever, whatever schedule is being imposed on you. I mean, I, I, I go to sleep at three, wake up at 12 kind of thing. So it, it's almost like I'm on US time zone, but it is a little bit annoying that I only get like four hours of daylight each day because it's getting dark pretty early here already. And also, well, another, I guess, aspect of this is in, in Switzerland, uh, a lot of my friends are studying in the UK. And so they have already, um, most, most, most people who are studying in the UK have gone, actually gone in person, even if you're a first year, um, which means that the only people who are left around um, are people who are studying locally, which is a small minority of, of my high school class. And so in terms of the, like the social scenario, like how many of my friends are, are left for me to hang out with, it's, it's, it's a pretty small group. Um, and you, you couple out the fact that uh, obviously it's, it's difficult to make to, to make new friends, make brown friends solely over Zoom. Um, and I guess that's, that's the only negative really that I would bring up um, as far as the impact this had, as me, had on me uh, is that I'm kind of stuck between uh, my high school social circle and a brown social circle that I, I, I'm not in a position to build just yet. Yeah, I guess yeah. I never really thought about that, just how with freshmen, like you're it's you're still kind of hanging out with your high school friends because you haven't really had the opportunity to be on campus that's actually really interesting and i know like for i know how difficult it can be um i know a couple of people that are in asia and like literally they have to get up in the middle of the night to go to these synchronous lectures it's 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 not easy and i it's huge ups to you guys for doing that um alex love to you your your experience so far and your thoughts man yeah, so I'm taking principles of econ right now, so the big couple hundred introductory uh, econ class, and it's mostly asynchronous, so that's good in the sense that it, it accommodates everyone depending, regardless of their uh, time zones, but it definitely has been harder to stay motivated, um, just like watching the, the lectures, um, I have to remind myself to, to do that sometimes, and eventually they, they pile up, um, but Wait, can you hear that? You yeah, hear no that. worries. Keep talking, okay. man. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I definitely can um, resonate with what James said about sort of feeling stuck between high school and college. Um, I definitely think that sort of the main aspect that, above all, that I was looking forward to when I went to college would be, when I, would be like the social aspect. So, obviously, academics are important. Um, and I definitely think the, the quality of academics has been diluted, especially in sort of seminar classes where Zoom and uh, Zoom pauses can be kind of awkward. Um, but I think that most of all the costs has come to 
to social life and especially for freshmen it's harder to make friends when when you've never seen anyone in person um so i definitely think that it will be interesting sort of on a, a broader scale how people i'm assuming that people will probably use social media more extensively than they already have been doing um brown has been using this platform called wiser i believe that i haven't found super helpful and i haven't really been using it but it exists I think that for me, uh, so I'm in the plea me. So one of the nice things has been that like, I have the, that sort of a social circle from there, but I feel like that has sort of limited me in the sense that I feel like in an ordinary year, I probably wouldn't have had so many friends who were in the plea me. So um, it definitely is a challenge to make friends with people who are, are different from you and have different um, experiences or international students. Uh, because of like uh, time differences and other barriers. It's definitely been sobering for me thinking about uh, the next one and a half years that I'll be here. Um, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, encountering people that I used to live next to and I'm like, I can't even hang out with them, you know, in a regular context anymore. When we see each other, we have to wear masks. Like I used to live in Harambe house and Harambe is, Elias knows because he goes also in the house. It was a very, like, it was a community, you know, like, we were almost like a family. And I can't even, like, if Elias is here, like, I wouldn't even be able to see him because he's not a part of my pod, for example. Right. And I think that that resonates for a lot of students. Um, I definitely enjoy spending time with the people in my pod. There's about five of us, and we hang out pretty much almost every day, and that's great. But, you know, it's really limiting in the sense that, you know, there's almost no social life outside of your pod, at least for me, because I adhere to the guidelines. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and of course, there's the whole thing about parties. I personally, I miss partying. I thought that that was a, one of the main features of Brown social life here. And of course, that can't happen. And so it really makes me think about, uh, the next couple of years that I'm here, like what's going to be, like what's it going to look like? How are we going to have fun? Like, you know, they probably won't resemble the ways that we had fun, you know, like back in the day, I guess. But, you know, it's really, you know, I think social life is very important, especially when we're constantly subject to this demanding academic uh, curriculum. No, that 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 makes total sense, Alex. Um, no, I'd love, I'd actually love to talk to you guys more about you guys' individual impacts. Um, but unfortunately, we do have to we do have to move on to the next section where we wanted to ask you guys um, about sort of just evaluating. I know Sterling touched on this a little bit, and actually, all three of you touched on it. But just sort of evaluating Brown's Brown's decision to reopen it to reopen and some of, some of the things that they require of students, some of the things they, they have mandated. Um, for example, uh, you know, the decision to get tested twice a week. Do you think this is, do you think this is fair? Do you think this, it's an infringement? Um, I get the sense that at Brown, um, we may see sort of a coalescence of ideas. I, I, I don't get the sense that many people at Brown may feel like, <laughs> feel like they shouldn't be getting tested, but you never know. So I'm, 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 I'm curious on you guys' thoughts on that. Um, 
Well, I can I can start. Well, I just want to preference my com my preface. Oh, sorry, preface my comment by saying that I do. While I do think that Brown has done a good job, like with their plans, I still think that the decision the decision to open was risky. At the end of the day, um, you know, I don't remember exactly when I moved on campus, but I remember seeing tons and tons of news stories about college students um, contracting COVID almost the minute that they got on campus. You know, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly why that is or what uh, was what differences there were in like Brown's policies versus the other school's policies. But I do think that, you know, we do live, uh, Brown exists in a, uh, it exists on College Hill. Yeah, which is like, you know, this rich, wealthy white bubble, but, you know, there are still other, you know, marginalized members of the uh, Providence community who come and interact with our campus on a daily basis. I think that Brown should have uh, at least, maybe, I don't know if they did take it into consideration as much, but I wish they would have expressed more consideration for the risks that they were putting um, like the Providence community members um, in. But I do think that they handled it pretty well, but I will say that I do think that it's a little risky and it did seem a little selfish of Brown to do that. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting because just people I've been and my friends we've been talking about how this past week like even yesterday I think even today America's hit like a record high day-to-day -day count of coronavirus cases and it's been it's we're hitting a third wave it's insane because a lot of the times at least in my in, in my life it's school just goes on and like this isn't something that we I'm consciously really thinking of it's it just almost seems like we as brown students were sort of disconnected to the outside world in a sense because we're just going about our daily lives we're going about our you know daily classes we're doing our homework and we're getting for for me and sterling on campus we're getting tested twice a week we're getting negative results it's almost like our position of privilege i think is just incredibly clear because you go to new york times and it's just on the front page highest 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 case count day to day and that's just something that hasn't been speaking from a position of privilege obviously hasn't been a huge part of our lives i feel like so you're definitely onto something sterling and i really i'm i'm really resonant with that i, I was i was going to add um well it's, it's pretty much along the same lines but uh, i think in terms of uh the way the outcomes that brown has had for for students on campus the numbers speak for themselves they've done a good job um, but again, uh, I, I'm not sure that the approach that they're taking right now is sustainable in the long run in terms of protecting both Brown students and the community. Um, I think there's, there's, there's a certain period of time that you can expect people to, to um, follow, I guess, strict, strict mandates. Um, uh, and especially, I think, with freshmen arriving on campus, I think they're who are less likely to follow guidelines than um, more senior students. I'm slightly worried that compliance with protective measures is going to decrease uh, later in the year. Um, and I think Brown's focus really needs to be about um, making sure the infrastructure is in place so that Brown can operate almost um, kind of air gap it from the rest of the community because if um, if, if Brown is at, if Brown becomes a uh, like a super spreader for the whole of Rhode Island, um, then that's a total failure on behalf of the university. So I think really the focus on protecting um, uh, professors, 
uh, and the broader community, because I think the most most of the of the student body, and there are exceptions, people with uh, with uh, with chronic health conditions, um, don't have to worry as much as uh, others do about uh, the eventuality of what happens if they get sick, um, and and so I think that uh, puts them in a place where they're may be likely to engage in behavior that puts others at risk um, who aren't in that same health situation. And I think uh, the, the resources need to be there so that you can, uh, the, the Brown community can operate independently without putting high risk individuals at risk. Yeah, so just to build on that, James, Alex, I'm actually really curious with the email that was sent out yesterday inviting everyone back on campus. How, how is that? What were your initial thoughts on that? Like, are you guys, are you guys like, hype like let's go like we're i can't wait to get back to campus like have an actual freshman experience or are you guys just more on the cautious side um i'm curious i think i'll go um so sort of referencing what james said so, like i live in connecticut where we've controlled the virus pretty well um since may but all of a sudden there's been um, a rise in case levels so it is somewhat concerning that given that everyone is returning there that's definitely a possibility um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it will look like regarding housing for, because I want to sort of have us all um, be in our rooms by ourselves. So I guess a lot of people will be pushed off campus. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty and Brown hasn't really like provided uh, answers for that. Um, so I'm definitely not sure about that. Uh, I definitely think though um, that the, the, privileges that Brown has aren't necessarily the same as the ones that, for example, other colleges have. So like state schools that have been defunded ever since the, the 2008 recession are in a worse state in that they need, um, they rely a lot more on tuition and room and board. So I think that Brown is suddenly starting to think about that, which might help be part of the reason why it's inviting everyone on campus. Just, just as a clear example of uh, what I was saying uh, earlier, um, I, I mean, I haven't been on campus, I have never lived on campus, but I can imagine that um, the cafeteria food can eventually become pretty mundane, pretty boring. Um, oh yeah. And I think, and, and I think, I think if, if you're if you're in a situation where you want people to not be going out to restaurants frequently, um, if if you're, I think a special effort needs to be made that that so the students are not getting so bored. I, I mean, obviously this is a very specific example, but if students get so bored of the food that you're providing that decide to go out to restaurants all over Providence, um, suddenly uh, you, Brown, Brown is, is, is going to become uh, a vector for spread for, for, for the city as a whole. And I think that's something that Brown has to look out for. So in, in a broader sense, um, there really has to be uh, a special effort made to make sure that students feel well that, that you minimize the need for students to interact outside of the brown community as much as possible i just think it's interesting james that you brought that up because i'm living on campus and i'm not on meal plan and i elected not to be on meal plan precisely because the food here is not <laughs> it's definitely not the best after two years like i promise you'll get tired of it right that being said i also do not have a stove in my suite we only have a fridge and a microwave, which means that, uh, which meant that at the beginning of quarantine before, you know, like my roommate and I got our appliances, you know, together, we were buying food pretty much for every meal. And that meant that we were 
interacting with people, you know, in the community by going into the restaurants, by walking on there. And of course, you know, like my friends and I, we adhere to all the safety precautions. We wear masks, we clean our hands, we disinfect everything. But, you know, the point is that the risk is still there. The interaction is still there. So I don't know exactly what's like what steps Brown can take to to address that problem, but you know, I definitely think that that's something um, they should consider when um, you know just throughout the course of this pandemic. Yeah, that's a hundred. And I just want to quickly like I've been completely going out and about just because I've just been completely relying on Snack Pass. I don't know if that's something you've been using, but Snack Pass has been my life in terms of food, and that obviously requires is me getting my ass out onto Thayer Street and picking up the food. So you're 100% right. I'm actually curious, now that, you know, like the guidelines and everything, Brown's, Brown's mandates have been sort of brought up by you, uh, you Sterling and James, what are your guys' thoughts on, 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 you know, everything from like the mask mandate to like, you know, the recommended sticking with your housemate right. pod system? Because to me, I know for a fact that a lot of people, most people are, some people are treating them as like, you know, the law and sticking by that and, you know, like, you know, but also some people are sort of treating them as guidelines. What are your guys' thoughts on that? And is there and, really yeah, a way of enforcing that? And really it's, it's, I think Nick is getting at a broader question. Like, do these, do these institutions in, in pursuance of some of those concerns you, you Sterling, James and Alex have raised in, in pursuance of those, of those, of those things, um, does Brown have the right to sort of curb some of the freedoms you, you can say, or, or privileges that might come with being a college student? Like, um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind are parties, obviously. Um, but there's, there's other things like simply just going out for a walk, um, being on the quad with no mask on, uh, going to the library when you need to study, like some of these things, like how do you feel in, in the broader context of, 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 an institution curbing these liberties. I'm, I'm curious. Well, there's a balance to be struck, and I think there are there are um, some steps that are a lot more um, that give you a lot more kind of like cost benefit um, power, I guess. So I think uh, parties seems to be a very high risk activity, um, and obviously saying no parties is is a is a is a big thing to say to to college students. Um, but I think, for example, saying uh, oh you you can't uh, you can't be on the quad without a mask. Um, doesn't doesn't deliver close to the same benefit to the community as as not uh, having students attend parties, um, but it has a, a, a pretty big impact on student life. I mean, you can you can imagine there's a, a safe way for people to be outside without being super close um, and to have something that's not normal, but something um, that is I guess in in the in the spirit of what uh, of what you could call normal. Um, so I think there are certain measures uh, like um, so like the pods pods seem to be a, a reasonable measure um, as well as um, prohibiting certain like very high risk activities. But then again, there are also, uh, there are also areas where, where you're not, you're, you're not getting as much um, out of the measure as, as, as you should be to justify, I guess, the cost that you're putting on students. Yeah. I think that um, with regards to the pods, uh, I've heard from my Michael John that they've been, there has been very little like guidance and Brown's been kind of wishy-washy on the pod. So defining- A hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, so 
um, that does strike me as a little bit problematic. I think that there's this like idea of like hygiene theater. So I feel like that definitely rings true that like Brown and institutions more broadly are doing a lot of actions that don't actually help prevent COVID, but have the pe appearance of preventing COVID. So for example, like scrubbing things down, there's very little evidence that COVID spreads topically. Um, but I think there is like a collective good versus individualism argument here. And I think that in this case, given everything that's happened in the world, uh, Brown needs to prioritize the collective good over the individual. I was just gonna say, I definitely agree with your last point. Well, all your points, but I'm really interested in your last point as well. I was thinking about this too, you know, like individualism is the fabric of American ideology. And, you know, the debate over, you know, federal, the federal government versus states' rights, like that's been, you know, a debate since the beginning of America's conception, right? And so I think that, you know, at a certain point in times like these, we do have to value the collective good over the individual. Um, you know, like on Instagram and Twitter, I see all these different cases of um, people arguing that they shouldn't wear masks. People are trying to get around the mask mandate and things like that. But at a certain point, it's like, is this really like what we stand for, you know, as a country? Like we are in trying times and we've, you know, especially in our generation, we've never seen anything like this before, not even our parents' generation, right? Like, so I really think that this is a critical moment in American history and, you know, the election's coming up, which is also a whole other thing. But, you know, I think this is a really critical moment and I think Brown should prioritize a collective good over, you know, the individual preference, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, Brown prides itself on creating a, a, like a great learning environment for its students. You know, you can't have a great learning environment if there are no students or all your students are sick, you know? I mean, I mean, the question is now, but is that whether, whether the students are going to want to, because the entire reason why coronavirus, a huge part of the reason why coronavirus is so impactful in the U.S., and I'm Canadian, is that you guys, you guys is literally for that reason, you guys, you have people that just, if everyone just wore masks and quarantine, this would be a much, much, much easier problem to tackle. And that's obviously not happening. And you have people that refuse to do that for their own personal freedom. So the question is, even if Brown sort of like the administration wants to prioritize the collective good, you guys think that the students are really gonna care about that or, and this goes back to the question of, you know, are the rules guidelines or are they rules? Like, you think students are going to sort of view them as, you know, we're only strictly going to talk to kids in our pod? Well, as, as far as the individual individualism debate goes in terms of Brown, um, I, I, I don't think it's, it's at all comparable to the debate that you, that you would have at the, at the, like the national level. Uh, Brown, right. is a private, Brown is a private institution um, and students are choosing to attend and it's an immense privilege uh, and you don't get to put uh, other students who want to attend at risk because of the specific way that you want to live your life on campus. So I, I really don't think there is any claim uh, to like some philosophical interpretation of individualism to argue that the university making you wear a mask is somehow a violation of your rights. I think that's like completely nonsense. And I think, right. I mean, it's a different story on the national level. Um, 
because it's it's obviously like the country is not a private institution, but at least within within Brown, um, I, I I think anybody anybody who who's making the claim that their rights are being violated is is just full of shit. I think that as far as the the correct uh, policy goes towards making people follow these restrictions, I think it should definitely emphasize the surrounding Providence community, as Sterling mentioned. Um, if people realize like what are the human costs of their actions that they don't deem super significant. I don't know, just attending a party, nothing will happen, but um, there are human costs associated with that. Something that I definitely find interesting though, is that right now we're seeing a resurgence in countries that have done pretty well with uh, COVID. I don't know, I'm just thinking like Germany as an example. So I wonder how, where the debate of individualism versus collectivism isn't quite as, I don't know, relevant, I would say. So I find that interesting. I don't know if anyone wanted to speak about that. I, I, can, I can speak for, for Switzerland, at least. Um, we, were, we were pretty strict early on. I mean, not as strict as, as Germany um, or France, for that matter. Uh, but we were, we were relatively strict and obviously varied a little bit based on exactly where you were in Switzerland. But um, it was quite strict and we, we brought the virus under control. I mean, compared to the US, like, there's, there's, not a, there's, there's no doubt that, that we, we really kept the countdown. Um, and, and now we're seeing a spike. I think that's three or four times, three, three or four times more new cases per day as we were seeing during the height of the pandemic in, in May or June. Um, but, but now I guess it, it seems to me that people are so exhausted um, with mandates that there is, there is no um, political energy to, to, to reproduce another lockdown style thing. Um, people are just not on board with it anymore. Uh, and I get, but the only the only plus side I, 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 I can think of is it seems now that uh, um, medical experts have learned a, a, like a great deal uh, because the the case fatality rate is like a tenth or a fifteenth of what it was um, during the first wave, and so I think at least at least that is a, a blessing. Yeah, I think to the broader point about um, you know Brown students and whether or not they feel they identify with more collectivist or individualist views. I do think though that from what I've observed, Brown students can be a little self-centered when it comes to this. So they might not be, you know, like yelling like, hey, like I want, uh, you're restricting, you're infringing upon my rights because you told me to wear a mask. I don't think it's necessarily that, but I do think that there's an element of my actions won't, you know, affect anyone else. Like I can do, you know, what I want and not really consider the consequences. So yeah, maybe it's not on, you know, that level of a debate, but I do think that there are some individualistic actions that Brown students take and they've done, you know, I won't generalize, of course, but I've observed certain things occur on this campus that do resemble that, uh, point of view from Brown students. And I do know that there have been a couple parties on campus that have been busted by uh, DPS. So I don't know, we'll see what happens, but I wouldn't, you know, like give Brown students the, like a pass just because, you know, we are technically a liberal institution, whatever that means to people. Um, people can be, you know, selfish, especially if they don't feel like they have to have the same level of worry as others in the pandemic. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that you guys listen to to each all three of you talk. It seems to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong. There might be 
sort of a general, general, general thinking that safety obviously is the number one priority, um, but that you know the social aspect and the academic aspect are are regrettable um, sort of casualties to 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 having that having that safety ensured, and so. I don't know. Would you guys would you guys agree with that assessment? Just just quickly, just so I don't, I don't misquote you guys, or, or do you do you injustice? I I, I would say I agree, um, but I, I I would say that in the long term, I don't think um, it, it's sustainable to expect students to to I guess live in this restricted fashion for forever. Yeah. The thing I'm hoping for is that hopefully there'll be like a pressure on Brown in the future given that there are so many other online alternatives to reduce their tuition. I, I think that's wishful thinking though. <laughs> I, I also think that's wishful thinking, yep. but yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you know, lastly, I, we, we kind of do have to wrap this up. Uh, I, I've, you know, we've enjoyed talking to you guys. You guys have been the best, <laughs> the best guests we could hope for. Um, but I, I'm actually really curious uh, if, if you guys could, I don't know, if you're not comfortable doing this, that's perfectly fine, but if you guys could just give like a rating to Brown, just just for the fun of it, just like a rating of, of a rating one to 10 of how you think Brown has handled it. Um, you know, you could incorporate like how Sterling said, whether or not you would have done it if you were in, you know, the decision makers hands. Um, you can incorporate some of some of the like Sterling, for example, she's on campus right now and she could incorporate whether or not she feels good about being there, whether or not it's like, uh, you know, anything that goes into your, into your grading we're, we're here for, but we really do think that those ratings would be, would be interesting to hear. I think I would give it Brown an eight. Um, I think that the, the main ding I would give them is the fact that communication has generally not been what it should be, um, especially for, for, for for first years um i think that for example with with the sophomores waiting so late to tell them their plan obviously i know there's so much uncertainty nowadays but i think that it would have been nice if brown could have announced their plans um their like tentative plans of course a little bit earlier and communicated them better I would give them a six um, because I do feel like the measures that they have put in place, like testing twice a week, it's a pretty efficient process. I think that's been pretty good. But I will say that I don't think that they have done a good job of communication, like Alexander said. Um, but also, I don't really think that they, it doesn't seem like they've given much thought to the implications of their decisions. And it doesn't seem like uh, there's been a lot of thought about like, contingency plans like what would happen you know if there was a COVID spike I haven't received any communication detailing that or like you know the intricacies surrounding housing and you know tuition I think that definitely could have been handled a lot better yeah I'd also give them a six um, because they have succeeded in their number one objective I guess which is to keep students uh, and faculty safe um, but they, I, I don't think they've, they've really done a great job um, in ensuring that they that they maximize uh, what like, the college experience you can get in this restricted setting. Um, and also, I, I agree both uh, um, with what with what my uh, co-host said, um, which is that the communication was not was really not up to par. Um, and they send you these very very long emails uh, that, frankly, I have zero interest in reading. 
Um, and I think it would be nice if there was just kind of like a simple infographic style thing um, rather than long-winded emails once a week giving you some very detailed like breakdown. I, 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 think, I, I think there's there's a lot of room for improvement, but um, again, kudos for keeping everybody safe. Cartoons are my level, so I agree with that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, no, uh, I, I think, um, I think just speaking as co-hosts, um, you guys have been amazing guests and we're just so, so excited for this and so happy with the way this has gone. Um, yeah, Elias, you want to add on to anything before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think we're good. You guys have been the perfect guests again. Um, obviously we, this, it's a huge topic and we didn't get to everything. Like for example, we didn't get to how there's been talk about how, how the sophomores have gotten the worst end of the deal and we don't have a sophomore here. So, you know, uh, we, we're, we regret not having that, but that's how it is. Um, we, you know, obviously, obviously we don't, we haven't gotten to everything, but we do think that this conversation hopefully can be insightful to you guys, you guys listening, just to give you the sense of how people, you know, one freshman who's an international student, one freshman who's not an international student, and one junior who's living on campus, maybe gives you guys insight into how how this is impacting, um, you know, your fellow Brown classmates and, you know, whether or not you would have stopped to consider that. Um, we hope we hope that you know this podcast opens a light for you, um, and not to sound corny, but we hope it broke your bubble. Um, please, please, Let's please go. catch our please, please, please catch our next podcast. We'll be talking about the election next time, and we'll, we hope to get um, you know people with differing viewpoints there. So please, please, please don't forget don't forget to to tune into that. And we hope you guys have a good day. Thank you, thank you for tuning in. One final thank you to our or thank you to our amazing guests, James, Sterling, Alex, and thank you for tuning in, guys.